It's a funny place to be, stuck in a seemingly mundane world with an inner knowing that the universe is so much more than our mortal minds can comprehend. Yet we all have the capacity to know peace and our oneness with the wholeness of life. And through these interviews, discussions, and reflections, it is my intention to share this possibility. I'm Ryan Kurzak, and this is the Kriya Yoga Podcast. Now we have a group of questions that dovetail together. And these questions have come up, not just um, from people from the apprenticeship course, submitting them through uh, uh, email for the Q&A session that we're doing right now. But um, they've just come up a lot in, in interactions with people, you know, doing the 20-minute the meetings, the office hours that I've had uh, recently that people have been able to sign up for. It, it's come up a few times there as well. So we're going to take a little while to speak to it because they're not necessarily simple questions to answer. Uh, one of the questions deals with experiencing samadhi. Can you experience samadhi? How do you experience samadhi? So we're going to talk about that. Another question that's come up multiple times uh, deals with learning to see and experience um, inner light and sound, which is a manifestation of the Om vibration. And we know that that's profoundly important. It's described in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, um, Sri Yukteswar in the Holy Science discusses how learning to hear and merge in Om uh, has a baptismal effect and helps to wash away the mm, blockages or obstacles which prevent us from knowing what we are and what self-realization is. Uh, and then there's another question that deals with uh, Jyoti Mudra, which ties into this because Jyoti Mudra is one of the key practices in the Kriya system, which encourages the experience of inner light perception and learning to hear and merge in Om. Now we have to remember again and again that Om is spoken of as one of the key points, one of the key sources, one of the key powers that removes the obstacles or the afflictions or the kleshas, as they say in the Yoga Sutras, which prevent us from knowing what we are. In the beginning of the Yoga Sutras, it states that chanting of Om, contemplation of Om, merging in Om removes all obstacles. It's right there in the very beginning. And many people have trouble grasping that. Um, the same with the idea of samadhi, experiencing samadhi, experiencing a oneness state. Well, in order to hear Om, see the inner light, merge in Om, you have to be able to practice in a way that allows you to experience samadhi. That's the whole purpose of, of yoga. So to think that it's not possible or to listen to people who act like it's a far away, lofty goal, you don't want to do that because it's, it's not necessary. Um, the practices of Kriya Yoga, the, the philosophy, the principles of yoga, they're set up in such a way which encourages this experience. There's a few things that get in the way. Number one, we don't yet have the, the subtlety 
of our uh, awareness to appreciate when we are experiencing a samadhi state. Also, we turn it into such a lofty goal that it seems impossible. It's like looking at someone who's achieved something great. Well, all we see is what they've achieved. All we see is their greatness. And we think, well, there it is. We can't do that. But that greatness didn't just, usually it's not just thrust upon them. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. There, there are years and moments uh, a series of actions and, and ways of being and, and practicing which led to that ability to be great in a certain way or to be accomplished. or It doesn't have to be great. We can just say skillful in a certain way. And uh, the processes of yoga are for that purpose, to give us the capacity to do that. So we're going to start first considering the idea and the practice of samadhi. And the reason we're going to start there is because um, if you get that understanding, well, it's going to make it much easier for you to appreciate the experience of uh, hearing Om, merging in Om, listening to Om. Because in order to do that, you have to be able to practice samadhi on that experience, on that power, on that vibration. And if, if you can't if you can't practice samadhi, well, of course it's going to be hard for you to um, to hear and and be able to merge in Om. And sometimes you get lucky. You know, for example, my first experience with Om, I was completely lucky. Um, if you're a Patreon member, you you might have heard the talk I just posted, the first of many, where I was discussing time with my guru, my teacher, Mr. Daves, when I was first initiated how I was overcome with that experience. And it, it just kind of happened after the initiation. But it didn't repeat itself consistently after that until I started to work at it, until I started to cultivate the experience. Um, and then it becomes something that you can just do like that. Just like a good musician, once they learn a song, they can just play it. They don't have to go through all the process of relearning the scales, figuring out where they have to put their finger, or memorizing the tune. Once they've got it, they've got it. So you can do that too with your yoga practice. You just have to accept that that's possible <laughs> and quit thinking uh, what other people say or quit listening to what other people say about it being a, a far off lofty goal. Um, when people act and talk that way, it's just because they wanna perpetuate um, your dependency on them maybe or, or something of that nature, you get the idea. So let's talk about samadhi. Samadhi is uh, a oneness experience, a, a bringing together, a unification of your consciousness. Um, yoga in the Yoga Sutras, and Mr. Davis spoke about it too, uh, he, he defines yoga as samadhi as though they're synonymous. They're synonymous. Um, because yoga is unification, it's getting bringing together of your awareness, samadhi. It's very similar to the word that we have in English, same, S-A-M. It's got that same kind of prefix, sam, to bring together. And when you bring your awareness together onto something, that is all you are aware of is that thing. And you are experiencing samadhi with it. So there have been instances in your life when you've been so engrossed in an activity when you've been so fixated on a thought, you can have samadhi with anxiety. When all you're doing is, is being anxious, well, you've got samadhi with anxiety right there. Okay, so you know how it works. <laughs> 
It's just that, that you've, got, you've got more practice with having some audio with anxiety than you do maybe with uh, experiencing cl clarity or, or lightness. So you, you're, we're learning to uh, bring our awareness together. And in the Yoga Sutras, um, there's a few ways it's described. Uh, Patanjali says that samadhi occurs in stages, in stages. And in the sutras, there is a description of samadhi, which is often interpreted as or translated as with support, with support. And that's how I've translated it. Um, but it can also mean, say, with description, with descriptions, with words, with words. And that's said to be a lower form of samadhi. Still samadhi, but it's a lower form of samadhi. The next kind of stage in samadhi uh, is samadhi without support, meaning you don't have to keep talking about it or imagining it or thinking about it. It's just an experience you have. It's an experience you have. And it's beyond concept. So again, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to talk about it. And then... Um, it, it, it continues through time. It continues through time. And it takes practice to be able to continue, to continue through time. It's like when I recently tried to teach a, a teenager to ride a bicycle. She had never ridden a bicycle. And she's a teenager. I'm thinking, what? We need to learn. You need to learn to ride a bike. So in the beginning, she needs support. So what did I do? I was right behind her. I was pushing the bike and she's trying to keep it steady. And she's moving forward. Well, she's doing it but there's support there. What's the next stage? The next stage is I let go. Support is gone. And hopefully she continues on a straight line. And then she's, she's biking on her own with, uh, without support. Now, just like in biking, when you're learning to, to ride a bicycle, uh, it may be that, yes, you, you, you go on a straight line for a while once support lets go. But if you're new at it, well, sure enough, in 20, 30, 40 feet, you're probably going to crash. You're going to fall over or it's, you've got to put your feet down and stop because you can't do it. But you still have that moment in time where you were still going straight. And so what happens in that process? Well, eventually you do that enough, you repeat it enough that finally you get the, the, the hang of it. You get the balance. You, you, you understand how to pedal. And then you're able to be a bicyclist who can now stay upright and keep going. Well, that same thing happens with samadhi practice. You start with support. You start with support. Then you start experimenting, letting go a little bit. And maybe you can only let go for a short amount of time before, before distractions come back in and you have to start doing it with support once more. But eventually you get to the, the, the point where you're just going and you're biking and you can steer and a distraction may arise. You know, that's like when you get a little wobbly, but you still got the hang of it so you can easily steady yourself and keep on moving forward until eventually, um, as the years go by, you know, I've been riding a bike since I was, what, five years old or something. So when I get on a bike, I just go and it, it works. I've never gotten on a bike after I didn't learn how to ride a bike or after, before I knew how to ride a bike and it just didn't work. Um, so this is the way it works with our, our samadhi practice. Now, how does this tie into the idea of Om, of learning to hear Om, experience Om? Well, some translators um, 
when they get into the discussion of Om, say in the Yoga Sutras, um, there's an idea that chanting Om is the first step. Om, 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 or Om. You, you just, you chant Om, you, you verbalize Om. And those of you who've taken the, the Pranayama course know that Om, chanting Om itself is a powerful form of Pranayama. And maybe in the beginning that's all you can do. But then what do you do? Well, you start to let go of the outward expression vibration you start to feel internally the inner vibrations of the body or you start to in your mind simply chant om without uh, verbalizing it well you still have support but now it's getting subtler it's becoming more inward focused and you keep doing that and i don't know how long it's going to take for you everyone's different but you keep doing that until eventually you can focus on this sound, this feeling, this idea, this concept of Aum with minimal distractions. And this takes practice. And again, this is stated in the Yoga Sutras that yoga occurs through repeated practice. It, it, it specifically says that in there. It doesn't say magically it happens and everything's great. It says, no, practice has to be repeated consistently. And you have to allow yourself the ability to get into it and to fail and to get distracted, but to keep pulling it together and, and staying on track. Every time you do that, you strengthen that capacity to ride that momentum towards a samadhi experience. And now what happens when months years have gone by now you've got it now you're you're coasting internally the distractions are minimal and if they come up you can just shake them right off well that's where you're starting to hit that threshold where you're about to probably uh, have a breakthrough to experience om or experience a samadhi state effortlessly samadhi without support samadhi without support and then it becomes natural and then you wonder what all the fuss was about, just like anything else in life that you've done that now you can do naturally that took a lot of work. So there's a few things we have to understand. Number one, it takes work. Number two, the beginning is simply um, using supports, which is your imagination, verbal expression, if we're talking about home, uh, and doing that repeatedly, consistently, until you can hold your attention there. So you can hold your attention there. And what this does is it, it creates maybe, we could say, grooves in your consciousness. So right now, where you are scattered and you can't do it, it's because the grooves are all bumpy and the, the needle on the record is just skipping all over the place. But the more you keep coming back and digging that groove, the deeper it gets, the less likely the needle is going to pop off. It'll stay in that groove. So we always have to remember that our capacity to experience something like OM or clarity uh, is equivalent to our capacity to experience distraction and um, difficulties. It's all about uh, the grooves that we have dug. And yoga itself is often described um, as a way of deconditioning or uh, reconditioning our nature in a positive fashion. So this is how it works. Now, before we get more specifically into Om, let's take some other kinds of examples of, of how to experience Samadhi. Okay, well, let's say that um, you have an idea of what divinity is, 
what God is. And that's going to be different for everybody. Uh, for me, my access point to things like divinity, I, I always did more with a little more impersonal aspect. Uh, so I would contemplate things like, what is it like to be omniscient, to be uh, free in space without boundaries? That was an idea for me that, that spoke to uh, what a divine experience might be like. And so in order to start getting into a state of samadhi with that, with support, is simply first you go through your, your practices, you do your practices, uh, your techniques, which calm you down, get you settled. And then you begin to um, contemplate, okay, if I was, if I was infinite, if, I, if there was no boundary in my body, what would that feel like? And I start imagining it, the sense of infinity. And I don't do a very good job at first, but I'm able to try. You know, um, gazing at the sky or, or, or allowing your vision to go um, like you're not focused on anything or looking at the night sky and the infinity of the night sky or looking off at a mountain. This helps to expand the, the feeling of your awareness. And so it gives you an understanding of what it might be like. And you continue doing that. You continue bringing your awareness back to that. And that's with description because you're, you're thinking about it. You're telling yourself about it in a way. Now, eventually, you're able to continuously stay in that state of contemplation and description with support. So you can stay there doing that and no distractions come around. So that is a type of lower samadhi because you are fully engrossed in that con contemplative practice. Okay. Now, in time, you're able to kind of let that go a little bit. And you've, you've heard me use the phrase before, um, uh, kind of turning off your, your, your inner dialogue. Just stop talking. Stop your, your inner talking. And you just stop and feel, okay, well now you're not allowing yourself to use words to say, okay, I'm infinite. You are simply staying as much as you can in that feeling of expansiveness, of being infinite. You're staying there for as long as you can and it's tenuous, it's subtle, it's slippery. But even if you do it for just a second or two, that's great. That's a, that's a, a foothold. And then you might have to fall back and recontemplate it again until you're able to let go one more time and just, okay, you know, the bike is going forward. Now, now your consciousness is, is, is creating that groove, riding that groove, which you've been working on until eventually the groove runs out and you have to pull back in to deepen the groove one more time using samadhi with support. Now, in time, with repeated practice, eventually you are able to sink, hold, merge your awareness in this feeling of, in my case, I would say being infinite or free in space until you can just stay there as long as you want. And then as you stay there, you become receptive to insights. Okay, that is your idea of what the infinite divine nature is. Well, you follow that idea and then you, you sit within that space and then it's like you open up a, a communication pathway to the, the real experience. And it'll come in a flash and you'll have these moments of, ah, it's almost like getting you know, shocked mentally. And when that happens, you are then not thinking about things, you're not conceptualizing, you're having like a direct communion 
with what it is possible for you to know about that, but you, you ride your concepts into that. That is why it doesn't matter if you think about God as simply an impersonal, infinite power or presence. It doesn't matter if you consider God to be the most beautiful visions of Shiva or Kali. If you can hold your attention in that and be receptive and clear with a, a, a pure intention of, of communion and, 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 and release, and, and well, release isn't even the right word, more, more so bringing together of awareness, then even that will take you to a direct understanding of what is of what is actually true and then you'll know that your concepts were just devices that were helpful to give that experience but imagination is key imagination is key to this you know everyone talks about creative imagination as though it's going to give you money and your soulmate and all that that's not the purpose of creative imagination uh, and that's why in the yoga sutras of patanjali in chapter three when it talks about this process we're discussing it says that this is not to be used for external things. Uh, this, is, this is for your inner work. Um, it's for these kinds of experiences that we're discussing here. So this is how the process goes. And it takes time, and it takes subtlety, and it takes devotion and commitment. You just really gotta do it. And in the beginning, it might be hard, and it might be a slog, but I, I guarantee you, at least from my experience, once you really get in the groove of it, then you look forward to meditation. Then, you know, going out with your friends and drinking all night, not that you all do that, but you get the idea, uh, or watching some TV show or something like that, uh, you don't even feel like it because there's such a, such a profound uh, experience of... of, of it's just such a profound experience. Um, and that's when yogis that, that you've read about or seen, you wonder, well, how can they spend all their time in this state of what they would call samadhi? Well, it's because it's enjoyable. You know, they're not fighting themselves. I must sit here for hours on end. In the beginning, yes, you have to do that because you have to overcome some tendencies and some distractions. But once you get the hang of it, it's like, wow, why did I ever do anything else? Again, just like a musician. All those years of scales and trying, once they master their instrument, they can just play it. It is a joy, and they can do it for hours on end. So this is the same way samadhi works. Um, and again, it goes in these kinds of stages. You have to remember there are these stages. Stage one, we can say with support or with description. Okay, just sit there and think about it hard. <laughs> as long as you need to until nothing else comes into your mind. And then once you've hit that, then you just take a nice little deep breath, let it go. And now you think or feel, feeling's better than thinking. Um, you feel, all right, well, now I am here. What, what would that feel like beyond the words? And you do your best to ride that momentum for however long it takes, 10 feet, 20 feet, 40 feet, all the way to the next town, I don't care, as long as you can to experience that, to embrace that. And don't get upset if it's not that long and you have to go back to with support. It goes in stages for a reason. And every time you do it, it gets more, there's more depth to it, there, that groove gets a hair deeper, a hair deeper, 
Sometimes you have a major breakthrough and you really dig that groove deep on one go and then you can go with it. But for most people, it's just a little dig at a time, a little scrape at a time, a little groove at a time. And you don't really recognize it until, again, the months and years have gone by and you're like, wow, I can do that pretty well now. And then once you can feel it abide there, you just let that momentum carry you. And in time, you can stay there and then you just remain receptive to the truth of whatever it is you're trying to have samadhi with. You want to have samadhi with divine love. Okay, well, just imagine that however it is real to you. Your understanding of divine love might be radically different than what Ryan as a little personality thinks divine love should be. But whatever it is, the access point is there for you. The process will be the same for everybody. So you see, whatever access point you choose, up to you. But the process is the same for everybody. That's why we have all these different enlightenment traditions. But if you really get down to the, 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 the bottom mechanics of it, the mechanics are the same. Just like the human body functions the same pretty much in everybody for the most part, um, with some variations here and there. So this is how um, that works. You need to just start trying this, contemplating this, Make your meditation practice like a work, uh, not a, uh, you, we don't wanna make it seem like it's work, but um, like a, a playtime even, where you're just experimenting, you're, you're trying to, to figure that out. Okay, that's the philosophy, the idea, what you need to figure out how to do for you. The techniques that you know are ways of calming the mind, internalizing your awareness so that you can actually do this. That is why what we're discussing comes after the yamas and niyamas, asana, pranayama, and pratyahara, you see. And ideally, later on in the year, um, I am going to be doing uh, the dharana, dhyana, and samadhi course, um, which is a follow-up on how we've been working out the, the eight limbs of yoga. And this is going to be offered specifically through um, the, the Patreon site, for now at least. Um, so we will get into this in more detail rather than just the 30 minutes that we're able to take with it today. Now, other things to consider. People wonder, why doesn't this work for me? Well, you have to ask, is your life set up in a way that it will work for you? Um, you know, using the example of a musician, why don't I get better at music? Well, do you carve out time in your day to practice? Do you have a teacher that can guide you well and, and, and prevent you from bad habits? Um, do you have a decent enough instrument to play on? Um, are you able to push away distractions for a while? Is your body fit enough? that you can practice for an hour a day without getting all these aches and pains and kinks, because once you get those, you're gonna quit playing because it's uncomfortable. So the same is true with this practice of learning to experience samadhi, which is the purpose of yoga. Are you exercising so that you are strong enough to sit up straight and do this practice so that you're not exhausted all the time? Are you getting enough sleep? Have you minimized non-useful, uh, activities so that you have the energy and the time to put towards this? Have you um, paid attention to what gets in the way of your ability to think clearly? Meaning, do you have some drama in your life that you could probably resolve? Uh, 
are you eating a good diet? So all of this has to be there for it to work. Otherwise, you're going to keep trying and it will work a little and you will catch glimpses, but it's not going to be that lasting experience that yogis promise it should be. The yogis who promise it should be that way from the outside perspective probably have a very boring life. <laughs> they probably um, don't have this glorious life that, that everyone in, in our current culture would, would want because their priorities and their motivation is different. So this is not to shame anybody or make anyone feel bad about what they're doing. It just comes down to priorities and everything requires sacrifice. Um, in, in yoga, in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, and in, in Sri Rikteshwar's text on the holy science, he talks about the procedure. He says one of the, uh, the very first procedures is sacrifice. And he's not saying sacrificing ghee into a sacred fire. That could be part of it. It's the sacrifice of uh, the sacrifices you have to make for this to happen. So if it's not working and you want it to work, I mean, if you really want it to work, like you feel deep down inside that this is something you want to explore and have the experience of, you have to be honest with yourself and you have to just decide, what do I need to do to make that happen? You know, even things like uh, people who, who, who exercise too much is a problem. I remember um, I used to do um, kettlebells a lot and I worked my way up to some pretty uh, heavy kettlebells. But what did I notice when, that's, when I started doing that? My meditation started to suffer. Why? Because I wasn't doing it intelligently and I was overtraining for what my body could handle. I looked great. <laughs> I felt great. I was strong. But uh, it was too much. And so you have, even with things like exercise, you have to find that right balance of what's going to keep you strong and healthy and fit while not getting you overly uh, sidetracked or uh, overly stress out your nervous system. Um, so that's something that you have to keep in mind. It all comes down to this idea of balance. And there's no one that can tell you what is of balance specifically for you. They can give you some ideas, but you have to be the one that is mature enough and self-aware enough to figure it out. It's not rocket science. It's not hard. It's just paying attention, tweaking things here, experimenting there. Work it out. Work it out. You can do it. This is how it, this is how it happens. Okay. Um, now, the idea of OM, um, hearing and seeing the inner light. This is, again, something that many people make out to be beyond normal mortals' capacity to understand. Uh, and maybe it is true that beyond our normal human condition as humans live at this time, it might be. Why? Because of everything we just discussed, really. So if you're not, if you're not confused about everything we've just discussed, then this is not something out of reach for you. Um, I was recently talking to another Kriya Yoga teacher and um, she was discussing uh, a documentary on Yogananda and how this particular documentary, I think before it was finished, uh, was trying to paint Yogananda as a normal person. 
And I thought to myself, that's great. Because if we can see people like Yogananda as a person who had difficulties and successes and joys and pains like everyone else, well, then that gets rid of the self-sabotaging factor of we can't do that because he's so great and we're not. If we can see a normal human being who can do these things, well, then there's no excuse. Um, but then she went on to say, but he wasn't normal. And at first, my heart sank a little bit because I thought, oh, let's not go there. Um, but then I recognized what she was saying. It wasn't that he wasn't normal as in he didn't have a body or a mind like us. What she meant was what, what made him not normal was his tenacity, was his focus, was his attention to the process and doing what it took to make it work. But you can, again, say that about any any person that's great at anything, any person that's great at anything, writing a novel, and, and most people aren't going to do it because it takes work. So people who write a novel, they're not normal. Okay. Um, so keep this in mind. Now again, back to the idea of Om and hearing the inner sound and seeing the inner light. Again, people act like this is um, way beyond their reach. The only reason it's beyond their reach is because most of the time, they won't do what it takes to hear it. And it doesn't mean that you have to go find the most saintly holiest of gurus to tell you. That might help. Um, but there's a process that makes it work. And it's not easy for most people because they've not been trained or they don't live a life which supports it. And here is what is required to make it happen. Number one, you have to be able to be alert yet relaxed. Truly alert yet relaxed. Which means you have to be able to sit down in meditation and let go of everything that's bothering you. You have to just let it go. And you have to be able to hold your awareness while you sit upright so that you don't fall asleep. Now, why is this hard for most people? Only because the majority of human beings have been trained that relaxation equates to sleep. Think about it. At night or when you're getting a massage, as soon as you start to relax and just let everything go, what do you do? You just fall asleep. <laughs> That's what happens. But what we're doing through the process of yoga is learning to remain aware and awake while this relaxation that's, that equates to sleep uh, happens. And that's often why yogis discuss the process of, of accessing these deep sleep states while you are awake, while you are present. And this takes practice. It's, it just takes practice. And it takes a little bit of willpower. So the first thing you have to learn how to do is to relax. I mean, let it go. Now, if your body is strong, if you are well rested, if your nutrition and your diet isn't causing you internal stress, if you've managed the situations in your life that for the most part, you can take a break from them for an hour or more, you've got it. Now you're where most people, most meditators are. Now they can go into meditation 
and they can ride that that boundary between okay, I'm I'm relaxed, but I'm still awake, and they're, they're kind of fighting that process of not falling asleep. But to take to to go over the edge, to to go over the threshold, now what you do is you simply practice utterly relaxing. And you might have to use your internal willpower. So you're not tensing your body. You're not, oh, I'm going to make it happen. But you are using this, this, your inner awareness and you bring your awareness to the spiritual eye and you simply say, no, I'm awake. And you, you, in a way, internally kind of perk yourself up. You try to feel internally, what would it feel like if I was not stressed out, not tense, not forcing, but if I was simply aware and awake? And you've heard me describe this state um, like when you are in nature and you see a beautiful sunset or you're just gazing at the ocean or you're overwhelmed by the majesty of the, the stars in the sky. You know, you're at a place where it's completely dark and you can see the, uh, the Milky Way and you're just in awe of it. Well, in those kinds of moments, you are perfectly awake and you're not you don't have to fight any of this stuff. It's that kind of awakeness we're talking about. There's no stress there. You're not forcing yourself to appreciate that sunset or that Milky Way galaxy. It's just, ah, there it is. So you learn to do that internally. Now, um, some, some preliminary things you can do to get to that state uh, is learning some full body relaxation techniques. Now, if we're sticking straight to yoga proper, what you would do is probably do 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes of, of yoga postures and, and flow where you're moving your body, you're strengthening the body, yet you're relaxing the body, you're getting all the feeling into your body and that releases tension and anxiety. That's the whole purpose of, of asana practice. And then what you can do is you just lay down after that and you do a full body relaxation. And I, I'm going to work on, on this. I'll, I'll do a video on the, the Kriya Yoga Online YouTube channel taking you through this because I've done it with great success with all kinds of people um, in in-person settings. Uh, usually yoga teacher trains when they'd have me teach there. Um, but you just lay down in Shavasana and you start at your feet and you just tense and relax your feet. And if you want, you just breathe in really deeply and you tense your feet and then you exhale and you let it go. And you do that a few times. And then you bring it up to your ankles and your calves and you tense oh, and relax ah, the calves and the knees. And you do that a few times with the breath, slowly with intention. And then up to your, uh, th <clears throat> your thighs your pelvic floor, your belly, your lower back, your upper back, your chest, your shoulders, your biceps, your triceps, your forearms, your hands, your fingers, up into your neck, your face, your, your scalp. You go through that whole process of tension and relaxation multiple times. And this is, again, getting you more into your body, relaxing the body, yet keeping it strong and alert. And then even at the end of all that, I, I encourage people to tense their whole body, their face and everything, just get all, all into it and then relax and do that two or three times. And then what I do is I take people through the process of chanting through the chakras 
I tell them just to let go. After they do that, just let go. Just let the body like like heavy weight and gravity pulling you into the floor, like like your water melting into the floor. And then we withdraw our awareness into the root chakra, chant Om, second chakra, chant Om, and so on, using the chanting through the chakra procedure. And once we do that, now the body is relaxed, we are internalized, and we are aware. And if you end that procedure with your awareness at your spiritual eye, and your eyes are closed, and you're gazing into the spiritual eye, and you just let yourself go while gazing into the spiritual eye, what most people find is that they, the sound of Om appears. It's like they can hear this subtle sound. And they'll even start to be able to perceive and experience um, uh, colors or lights within the spiritual eye. Now, in the beginning, that's simply brain-produced phenomena, but it's useful, still helpful. And they learn, they train themselves to uh, keep awake while staying with that experience for as long as they can. Now, what all of this does is it, it gets the body, it gets the nervous system, it gets everything geared, the internalization of awareness, to learning to experience this, to see this. And you don't want to do this all of the time because you want to be able to do it sitting up. But once you are able to appreciate that experience, then you start experimenting with doing it sitting up learning to relax sitting up. And you can go through the same procedure of tension and relaxation, going through the whole body, but now you're doing it sitting up. And then you can go through chanting through the chakras and hold your awareness here. And since you've already had the experience of laying down and doing it, well, now you, you know what it feels like. And so you can just adopt or allow that same feeling, even though you have to use a little bit of energy to hold yourself up. And you can just wait and gaze into the spiritual eye and listen. And assuming you're living the life as yoga describes, which is supportive of this, uh, meditating regularly, eating well, all the stuff we've discussed, um, in time, it will simply become natural for you to experience that. And then, of course, there's another stage. And that is getting comfortable with the subtlety of it. Because my first experience is when it started happening, I got excited. Oh, whoa, what's that? And then it went away. Because you're just, again, flooding your nervous system with this extra uh, activity. So as I've said before, you just have to learn to be cool. Just simply, when it starts to happen, just be cool. It's natural. It's normal. Just sit there, observe, gaze, allow it to happen, and just, even in a sense, kind of subtly invite it. What if I could go deeper in this? What if I could hear more of it? What if I could see more of this light? And it's not a forcefulness. It's simply a wondering, a curiosity, while you hold your awareness on the sounds that you hear, while you hold the awareness on uh, your spiritual eye and you gaze in that way. So this is how you begin to make it possible. Um, your Kriya Yoga Pranayama processes, uh, everything else that you do is tuning this antenna of your 
this bodily temple that you have so that this becomes easy and natural. And then when you start to read things like the Holy Science or the Yoga Sutras, it becomes very clear to you what's going on there. It's not just this far-off uh, idea that Sri Rikishwar talks about, and he's so far above us that we can't understand it. No, it becomes something that you start to catch glimpses of, oh, okay, this is how it works. Everything that you do contributes to this capacity. Um, and it, it does take time. It does take work. It does take trial and error, making mistakes, doing it well one day, not doing it well another day, until you get the hang of it. And you have to believe that you can get the hang of it. You have to trust that you can get the hang of it. Uh, because the doubts that you have are just going to get in the way. Uh, in yogic texts, doubt is considered to be uh, an obstacle <laughs> to the process. So get rid of the doubts. If I have not experienced this myself, I wouldn't tell you. And I'm describing to you the process that made it possible for me to do it so I know it works. You just have to find a way into it. That's the main thing. Um, so keep that in mind. And again, going back to the idea of um, the stages of samadhi, with support, without support. Well, in the beginning, as you relax, one thing that I found profoundly useful was um, when it come to, comes to seeing inner light, just imagining that I saw a brilliant sun, even if I didn't, I just imagined it as best I could using my inner vision to see a brilliant sun, and I would sink my attention into that. And in time, it's like it... It revealed itself. It, 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 be, it moved from an imagination that I was conjuring up to, wow, okay, there it is. And then I, all I had to do then wasn't imagine anything. It was just look at it, just observe it, just continue experiencing it. Um, so there are stages to this process. And um, this is how it happens. It's not beyond your reach um, it's not anything miraculous. It's, it's part of the, the human uh, possibility and experience. That's what yoga is all about. That's what Sri Yukteswar talks about in the Holy Science. That's the, the reason we have the Yoga Sutras, because there is this technology which is accessible to people who want to do it and who do do it. That's all. What makes it so inaccessible and so strange and so foreign is that so few people actually try. And so few people will stick with it enough until they have the experience. That's the only thing that makes the difference there. Um, so, anyway, um, this is what I wanted to, to share with you from these questions uh, because it's so useful. Uh, Sri Yukteswar talks about it as though through contemplating Om, through absorbing your awareness in this way, that naturally you are uplifted that naturally you, you, your, your soul's evolution occurs and you move from a human mindset to an angelic mindset. And what is an angelic mindset? It's simply the awareness of, of the higher realities or the clarity, uh, the clarity of, of higher reality, I suppose. Um, and to uh, even, even beyond that, a supremely free individual. These are things that occur if the right circumstances are put there. It's not... Uh, dependent upon specialness other than are you special enough to try <laughs> to try and to be patient and to stick with it and not worry how many years it's going to take it's worth it <laughs> it's worth it and anyone can do it and that's what we always have to remember the, the, the processes and practices of yoga are for all humanity for this reason 
Um, it's not about anything other than just the natural uh, progression of, of humanity and um, the realization of, of what is true of all of us. That's, that's what's most important here. This episode of the Kriya Yoga podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga apprenticeship students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash Kriya Yoga.